You're listening to Sports Content Strategy with Mr. Richard Clark. If you want to produce content, there are two ways to go. Either you want to produce uh, and you want to make something like a state-of-art thing, something that is close to, to art itself. And it has to be really cool. It has to be performed in the best way possible. But then it's, you know, it, it, it costs some money. Or you can be funny. I would say that now VK is way better as a technology, as a tool, than Facebook itself. Just because it is lighter, it works faster. Just to run through those languages, I've got Russian, English, Portuguese, Italian, Spanish, German, French, Polish, Japanese, Chinese, Danish, Finnish, Hebrew, Hindi, Persian. Correct. Hi there, Richard here. This time on Sports Content Strategy, I'm speaking to Igor Kretsan of Zenit St. Petersburg. Now, the Russian league isn't front of mind often in European football and isn't front of mind in terms of digital sport. However, the Russian league has grown so much in recent years, I wanted to explore the way digital media has assisted that expansion and the ways in which they're using it as a foundation upon which to build greater engagement, greater interest in their league. Plus, of course, Russia has a couple of specific social media platforms. Haven't worked a lot in VK or Telegram, but Igor has told me a lot about it. Remember, you can find me, Mr. Richard Clark, on all social media. Sports content strategy is on the major platforms too. And of course, if you need a consultant or a speaker at your conference, a moderator at your conference, please do let me know. I'm available for hire. Anyway, enough of that. Let's speak Russian football. Russian social media and specific Russian platforms with this man. My name is Igor Kretsan or Igor Kretsan, how it's going to sound in Russian, like authentically. Uh, I'm a new media director of Football Club Zenit in St. Petersburg, uh, Russia. And I have been at this office uh, for the last eight years with a gap for my master's degree at Columbia University in New York. I, I grew up in Siberia, so it's going to be like an eight hour flight from London for our flight from Moscow or from St. Pete. I grew up playing uh, hockey, but then turned myself into a football manager and I keep working in the football. Thank you for speaking to me. The reason I contacted you is because you post you put on LinkedIn about what Zenit are doing uh, in, the, in the multilingual space. Now, we're going to talk a lot about everything that Zenit are doing, but let's just start with that, with that multilingual space. So, how many languages are you posting content in and, and, what's the, uh, and what's the overall strategy? So currently we post, uh, we don't say the, uh, we don't use the word post, we, we talk to our fans, we prefer to use the word talk in uh, 15 different languages. So those uh, obviously includes uh, Russian, which is our main language. And I would say that if we take Russian is 100% of the content that we produce. The number is going to be reducing. And uh, in English, we're going to have like 80% and then lower and lower. Recently, we have started to produce content and to talk to our fans in uh, Persian and the language called Farsi. And that happened because uh, Sardar Azmun, as we have uh, found the most popular athlete and one of the most popular persons uh, in Iran has joined the team. And he has shown himself quite well scoring five goals in the first five matches and we just noticed i mean it was just impossible to avoid how many iranian fans came to our platforms like to instagram to telegram uh which is number one platform at this country so there was no choice we just had to find a solution and we found it we found uh, an editor who started to help us with that uh, talking about overall strategy it's going to be a little bit tricky just because if you compare that with approach uh that is used in a the big European clubs, I would say that I, I know how it works because I worked, uh, I was an intern at FC Bayern's office in uh, New York City. And I know that they use a special agency that basically helps them to translate everything. Uh, rather than what we do is a little bit different because we have a program. We started it like, uh, I would say, eight or nine years ago. And we decided not to go with any agency just because, you know, uh, with agencies, you, you lose this uh, personal touch because they treat it like... Uh, you know, very formal job because they got a text and they got like a number of letters or words that is used. And then by the end of the month, they charge you with a specific amount of words. And it's just a technical job. And 
we are not that international club yet. So we understood that maybe uh, it's not going to be that effective to start producing content uh, in, let's say, Spanish, Portuguese, or even in some exotic languages, obviously, because we got uh, pages in like Hebrew or in Finnish. And even though Finland is our neighbor and it's only like four hours drive from St. Petersburg to Helsinki, it is still a more complicated thing than just started to posting content in a specific language. So uh, we've noticed that we have a fan base abroad and we just thought, why don't we offer those guys an opportunity to start helping us somehow? Because they were quite active on their social media and they did it anyway by themselves. There were some groups on Facebook on some other platforms where they kept posting content in their own languages and there was some audience. So we built this program and we called it like an official fan blog. So we offered our fans an opportunity to essentially not work for the club because, you know, it's not like a full-time or even a part-time job. It's something different. And we just said them, okay, we're going to give you a platform. We're going to give you support. We obviously are going to give you some perks, like access to the team itself. Or if we play at your country, we can provide you with tickets or even with the media credentials. So you can, you know, you can become a part of a club. Uh, you can participate. And for some people, it really means something because, you know, imagine that you're a fan of a football club that is, I don't know, 5,000 kilometers away from you, and you have your passion to this club, right? You have uh, your way to support this club, but then when this club comes to you and tells you, like, don't you want to join us? Don't you want to be a one of us? It works. And, uh, you know, we just started that with uh, languages that were most obvious for us, like Spanish and Portuguese, just because... Uh, we have a traditionally we have a huge community of players from Latin America. Uh, we had Hook from Brazil. Now we have Argentinian players, and it was important for them as well because you know uh, we all know how Argentinian players are with uh, other languages. They I would say not lazy, but they 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 got some other things to do in their life apart from uh, learning English or Russian, of course. So we just started doing that and it really worked out. And now we, you know, we have 15 different uh, versions of those uh, fan blogs. Uh, we also have some Twitter feeds. We have amazing, unbelievable fans in Japan, in China, because most of those people who run those fan blogs, they, they are abroad. Some of them are physically here in Simpit, like with our Chinese version. We have a Chinese guy who... Uh, and he's a student here in St. Petersburg. So he was just looking for some sort of internship. So he came to us and said, like, guys, I need an internship. I basically need to build up my resume. And we, you know, we looked at him and said, like, okay, who, you, you, you seem to be a convenient person. Why not? So we started slowly. And I know what's going to be your next question. How do you control them? Because you never know what's going to be posted in Chinese. And none of us, even though I speak five languages, you know, five is not 15. Uh, it's about building relationships. It's it's about you know talking to those people because it's not like okay here's your email you know we're gonna send you something twice a week please you know just translate it and put it on the website. No, we have a community, a true community, and you know people talk to each other. They they talk to us. We talk to them on a daily basis, and it it just works out. And you know when you start to compare, I I truly believe that you know if you look at the Manchester City and they got like nine or ten uh, different language versions of their media, of their website. Of course, this is a club of a bigger scale. And, you know, they're in the Champions League quarterfinal, semifinal, whatever. And uh, the whole world is looking at them, like, every day. With us, the situation is a little bit different, but uh, I truly believe, I mean, I assume that the approach they use, it may look a little bit more professional, you know, from the business perspective or whatever. It is way more controlled. But there is definitely less about this personal touch because this is just about, you know, business rather than with us. It's about building a community. And we do understand that even if we launch a page in Hebrew, even though there is a huge Russian speaking community living in Israel, we, we know that, you know, they can follow the Russian website or whatever English website. We know that the numbers not going to skyrocket. It's not going to be like dozens of thousands views or whatever unique users. With us, it's more important just to, you know, to see those people, to understand what their needs are, to react to those needs, and essentially, yeah, build a community. So that's, that's the way it works.
I don't know if my answer has surprised you or not, but you know. <laughs> no, not not surprised me because there's normally two routes. You do go with an agency, or you can go via a supporters club route, and you've also got the decision. Even if you do employ an agency, whether they're based in market or they're based um, in the specific country, I mean, or all based at home, the hometown of your club. Um, and there's lots of decisions that need to be made. And, and I think also, you know, I've, I've, I've had this in, in my experience as well. Yes, my next question was, how do you control, control them or at least keep them on message rather than control them? It's perhaps a... It's not about control. It's just that keep on on message. But also, great, you've got your intern in China, and you develop that relationship with him, and he needs to develop his CV. Uh, great. When he develops his CV, when he gets a job, what happens to your strategy? That's that's well, that, that that's the hard bit of it. Because because are you opportunistic about the languages you've gone for, or is it is it strategy? Well, that that is, you know, first it was more of an opportunistic approach. Now it became a strategy just because we checked it worked. So now we can replicate. And now we see that if we got a player from Iran, we obviously have to start top person just because their media landscape is completely different from whatever you, a landscape you look at. Because with Iran specifically, uh, like, you know, the situation there, most of the popular websites, they're either blocked or they use them via VPN. Uh, and it's just about Telegram and Instagram. Uh, so now it is more about strategy. Uh, it's not about measuring success now, uh, apart from the number of those blogs, just because, you know, it is it is unnecessary to compare, like, I don't know, 300 views with 400 views. We have this internal competition between those bloggers because every month we compare the numbers and then we give, like, a special giveaway, a special prize, uh, to the best, to the best one who has performed better than the others in this particular month. Uh, but talking about uh, uh, the situation with those bloggers, yes, when they build up their resume, sometimes they start to, let's say, lose this passion to this particular job, not the club, I hope. Yes, they keep rotating, uh, like with our Spanish blog. It's been four or five different editors, I believe, until now. And the good news is that the club is getting bigger. The club is getting more popular, as we can see from our numbers. So some new people arrive, some people who has done their job, they quit. But it is okay. That's the way it works in the office as well. So it's just a part of life. And we never really suffered that, you know, there is a French page that needs to be updated and there is no one who speaks French at the office. No, it, it works. Just to run through those languages, I've got Russian, English, Portuguese... Uh, Italian, Spanish, German, French, Polish, Japanese, Chinese, Danish, Finnish, Hebrew, Hindi, Persian. Correct. Is that is that the biggest list you've seen in football? Because I'm not sure I know a bigger list than that. I, I believe, yes, that it is the biggest. I mean, until uh, the opposite is confirmed somehow. But uh, there was a case study like two years ago. And we were, it, it was done by some institution, I believe, in Spain, in Barcelona. And they said that we were the second in the world after Manchester City. That's why I mentioned them. Yeah. I checked their numbers uh, like a few days ago, and I believe that we got way more. Um, do you change the story for different markets? And indeed, are you in charge of the story? Because presumably with... Uh, experts, individuals in a particular culture, you've, you've got to be led as much as lead. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the only way it can work because, you know, on a global scale, uh, everything we do is about customizing content. It is, you know, unnecessary to talk to people in Germany or in uh, Israel or in Finland and uh, tell them that you can purchase tickets for the match against Lokomotiv in Moscow rather than when it comes to Iran. And I, I personally just like this most recent example because it works out really well. You obviously have to post about Sada Azmun, about his uh, adventure, about his journey in Russia. Uh, but that's up to editors because we support them with uh, the basis. We just, you know, we tell them like, okay, guys, the time has come. You need to post something like the match is coming or the match has been played because it doesn't work like information agency and news, they don't pop up there like, right after the final whistle. I mean, sometimes it happens like that because some of those bloggers, they sit with us at the stadium, we provide them credentials. So they work like real journalists and they 
get this experience and it really helps them with their future careers. But it's more like, you know, it's, it is called a blog for a reason. And that's, 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 that's more of their personal approach. So it is up to them to decide what's going to be posted and how to, let's say, turn the angle. Because they understand the audience and with like China, we have a page on Weibo and God knows what they speak about there because, you know, there is no way I personally can check that apart from using Google Translate. But I know that with Chinese, it is not that good. And we we just we trust them. And it's all about trust. We trust people. We see their passion and we most of them, we, we had a chance to talk personally. So we believe that they do a great job. Even though you're using supporters, so therefore the costs are relatively low, the financial costs, there's still a big time cost and an emotional cost as you as, you as a, a new media director. So how are you measuring the success of the resources that you're putting into it? So first of all, we track how often do they post. And it is not me personally because we have an English editor who oversees all our international strategy. We have a gentleman who is uh, from London as well. Uh, he worked there as a policeman and then decided to change his life. So he moved back to, uh, not back. I mean, he's been here for a few times before. He moved to Russia on the wife and uh, so on and so forth. So now he's about to become a Russian citizen. And yet he's still like a London man, an Englishman. <laughs> and, you know, it's a great experience uh, to work with him. So... He keeps looking at those numbers, at how often uh, their posts pop up on their blogs. And he tracks some numbers with like Google Analytics and those tools. But again, it's not about like huge numbers because you can, you know, assume how many visitors we, we may get on the finish page. And it's some, sometimes I would say it can be like a couple of thousands unique users per month. Sometimes more, depends on the sports results as well, obviously. Because if we play well on the Champions League, yes, there is more interest coming from abroad. We got social media feeds like on Twitter in different languages. And it is easy to see because you got all the statistics you may need in there building the system. But we don't have any KPIs for them or something like that. It's It has to be fun for them as well. And we don't want to make this as their job or something. We don't want to stress them. It's, it's all about, you know, what football is. It's about entertaining and it's about of joy. And so the stories, if it's a blog, the stories are not quite so regimented, not quite so report on the whistle. It's a little bit more chatty, a little bit more informational because I, I presume because one of the issues always, certainly for clubs whose first language is English, is if you're in America, well, why would you not go to mancity.com or manchesterunited.com? Because you can consume that. So Americanizing the story is relatively difficult. And yes, you can localize it. Yes, you can take themes out, but it's difficult to do it on a daily basis and make it fresh. So those angles are always going to be slightly different. So it's not. A, it's quite interesting to do it more as a as a blog. I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we again, we don't want to make like an associated press or something like that mm. inside the club. There are no specific guidelines apart from what we produce in English, because most of those editors, they either speak English or Russian or both. Depends. Uh, it's really up to them because they, they see and we educate them. We understand that the needs are different. The way people talk to each other online are different. And uh, it really varies from one country to another. China cannot be compared to Finland, obviously. It is really up to them. We we just try to tell them, obviously, there are some like corporate restrictions. And if the game was not that good and if result was not that good, we still have to find some positive, positive emotions into that. Well, obviously, if you lose 10 matches in a row, there is no positive at all. But we, we're lucky enough not to have those situations. At least I don't remember one uh, in the last like years, nine years. It is good that we've been quite successful and... Uh, uh, you know, getting back to, to the angle, it's just we, again, we, we trust them. We, we're trying to see there were some issues uh, a few years ago when something was posted in Italian and uh, uh, one of our coaches who was from Italy, he noticed something. Okay, he told us we just talked to a guy and it is okay. We just removed this particular, not even bit, but a part of a bit. And, you know, they, they understand that if they represent the club, they obviously have to glorify the club somehow so it works out you're a good person to ask this question i think we're always looking for trends for different platforms in different countries so across the 15 
have you noticed, you know, for example, Italy really likes Instagram or Germany doesn't like Twitter or Poland doesn't like this? Anything that's particularly worked in a particular area? Are there regional major differences? Absolutely, yes. Uh, regions are very different. And I would say that we can put Europe like in one basket and then the rest of the world into difference because China, you know the situation with China, their own internet, their own social platforms, so on and so forth. A huge interest coming from the Chinese media because when someone starts to uh, talk to them in Chinese, they, you know, they notice that and they come to you and they want a story, especially with the World Cup, because there were a lot of Chinese journalists. And just because we did that, we produced content in Chinese, we talked to our fans in China, they came to us and they wanted some stories. Maybe that's also has to do something with uh, Hulk and Axel Witzel and Andre Villas-Bosch, our former players and the coach. They worked in China, so uh, it was a good combination. Iran, I noticed that already. Very specific market. It is impossible to compare this with any other. Like Russia itself is completely different from uh, all other markets. So yes, there is. I, it is hard for me to give you any specific examples with, let's say, Spain or Portugal or France or Germany, because... It is a typical European consumption of content. It may vary for a little bit from one country to another, but uh, the overall uh, scene is going to be more or less the same. Latin America, I would say that our Spanish and Portuguese uh, fans, actually Brazil is our third market according to the numbers that we got from the social media. So they tend to follow our Facebook page more. They, they follow us on Instagram. That's their platforms. We look at that, but uh, at the same time, we... Don't tell anyone like, okay, let's make everything on Twitter and just forget about all other platforms. No. If a person, if an editor wants to make something in, let's say, Snapchat, and he believes that it's going to work out in his particular market, why not? It is okay. Because they understand this better. We can make our own research like we did with uh, Iran because we ask an editor first to perform a research and just to show us what the local media landscape looks like. We found out what platforms worth our uh, resources worth our time and everything so we decided to go for that but that doesn't stop us from making something on some other platform because you know there is a huge Iranian community living outside of Iran and they also want to follow Sada Asmun so we have to uh, also serve them we have to give to them some content so it's it's just all about you know uh, we try we see we measure and then we decide if it's worth going with that or not how big is your team your content team uh, so currently, let me count, apart from those fan bloggers, uh, those who sit at the office, we got one, two, three, uh, three editors, uh, a designer, uh, two technical editors, and four persons who work for what's called Zenny TV. So overall, it's not more than 10, 12, I would say. Yes. And they're all under you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I got my own boss who runs our department, so I only oversee uh, the content production, photo and video, all the things media. And uh, your boss, is he commercial or is he communications? Communications mostly, yeah, right. we call it. All right, so you, you, you feed into that. It tends to be marketing and commercial communications. Um, yeah. And your content strategy, in a nutshell, what is it overall? It is a great question and that is like a huge question because you know with all the trends and uh, with the developments like technical and different platforms and everything uh during my eight years here it has really changed because you know new platforms pop up new fans they to some extent pop up as well and their needs are very different uh right now i would say that we really divide uh what we produce in russian and in all other languages English, just because we understand that the way people look from, uh, at our club from here in St. Peter and in Russia and the way people look at us from abroad is completely different. Just because the Russian league itself, it's still uh, more of a local product rather than international. So uh, sometimes we just understand that people who are abroad, they basically they don't, don't have access to our matches and that's our main product. And then this approach applies to all the other things that... We produce, I would say that if we talk about specific types of content, obviously video is number one priority for us at the moment. And we've been quite successful with what's called Zenit TV. So we invest a lot of time and resources into our YouTube channel because 
according to this company called Deportes and Finances that tracks all the numbers on social media every month, been 20 months in a row when we were at top 20 most watched uh, club channels in Europe. And sometimes we even make it to the uh, world rankings, which is great. And we, we follow them. So thanks, guys, for making this amazing job and, you know, building up all those rankings together. Then we have to inform our fans. So while Zenit TV is more about entertaining, it's more about, you know, uh, it's the, we, we got our own strategy in that. I just don't want to get deeper into that. If you have this question, I can explain. But uh, we basically divide what's about information and what's about entertaining. We know that we have to serve all the club needs, like all the obvious needs, and we have to support our fans with the content, with news, with everything. So we do that, and this is uh, essentially like a basis for us. And everything else is just lies on top of that. Uh, and then it comes with entertainment, then it comes with some gags on social media and so on and so forth. So I don't know if I have answered your question or not, just because it's really it's really complicated. Because when we, let's say, build up a chart of what we're going to do uh, during the next week or month, it's always there are too many things that, you know, just happened w without any planning or something. And uh, the world especially on the social media, is so dynamic that you cannot plan anything in advance because you need to react and you need to be uh, online 24-7. So we just put the basics like, okay, we're going to have matches, we're going to have training sessions, some commercial activities, this, this and that. And then the real job comes when you have to basically react on the things and you have to be, uh, you have to use your tone of voice, the unofficial ones. Uh, and you, you just have to live with that. I just, I really don't know how to explain this because it's like it's hard to put that in words, but you essentially you have to leave it. Yeah, it's it's hard to put into a nutshell. Just just to clarify, Zenit TV is the YouTube channel. You've not got a TV station. Yeah, so Zenit TV is essentially an online channel. It is not limited to YouTube itself, even though YouTube has been the most successful platform for us. Uh, but we also post the same videos on the different platforms, like our website, obviously, some uh, social media like VK, which is really huge in Russia, and we have to upload their video. Uh, just because, you know, if you use the YouTube link uh, in there at VK or obviously on YouTube or somewhere else, all the platforms, they want us to use their technology. So, yes, it is a TV channel, we call it, but it's not like um, traditional TV because we don't have a TV station. And uh, we were thinking about that. We are aware of what other clubs do. We know about some great examples with as Roma TV or like Liverpool TV, all those traditional cable networking uh, stations. We're not there yet just because the media landscape in Russia is a little bit different. And it is only the Continental Hockey League, our uh, national hockey championship, who has their own like TV channel. But they do, they, they do broadcast matches there and we don't have this particular right. So we, we're thinking about that, but we're not there yet, I would say. Uh, in regards to the highlights and everything with the Russian League, the situation is actually quite interesting because the most recent uh, national deal was signed uh, last summer and uh, we have Match TV as a host broadcaster, the biggest sports channel here in uh, Russia. Uh, we are limited with highlights because we can only use a specific player that uh, they provide us with. That's what happens with the national rights. With international rights, we're now actually in the middle of a gray area because the Russian league does not have any ongoing deals with any international broadcasters. So until the end of this season, the only way to watch a uh, Russian league abroad is to use a uh, YouTube because they uh, have launched a partnership with Google. So for the next uh, couple of months, the Russian league is going to be broadcasted there. They started to do that, I believe, uh, three weeks ago. And now you can follow the Russian league online without any restrictions apart from watching it from Russia itself. Because in Russia, you can watch two matches out of six on um, each weekend for free on Air TV, uh, at their website, at Match TV website. The remaining four watch on demand, pay for that, or on the cable networks. That's interesting because I was thinking about it when you were answering that question there. Because as you said, the Russian league, it doesn't export very well. It hasn't been seen to export to other countries. And I was thinking, of the, the countries who whose teams do regularly well in the Champions League. You know, and no one would be surprised if a Russian club gets to the quarterfinals. The semifinals would be slightly rare, but but quarterfinals would be... No one would be surprised. Um, and yet, that league is not visible, certainly in England. 
And yet the Dutch league is, the Italian league is, the Spanish league is, the French league is, the German league is. So and arguably, it's the, the biggest Champions League competitive league or the league in which clubs do well in the Champions League that's not visible. Is there a, an actual push to change that and make it more exportable? Absolutely. And that's actually uh, the hottest topic that, that, that we got because we understand that, you know, using the World Cup heritage and everything, all the attention that came to our football and to our country uh, last summer, there is a great chance. And uh, this had to be a great step for us and a great opportunity. I would say that we as a club, we understood that and we started to do something with that. And not even those fan blogs, but we're trying, you know, to talk to some uh, mediums like that, I don't know, huge accounts on Instagram, like 433 or Copa 90. All those who are followed by millions and millions of people all over the world. And we just understand that, okay, there is some interest and everyone is now aware of what our stadium is. So obviously something happens at the stadium every week. We, we started to, you know, just talk to them. On the league level, the biggest thing that has happened so far is the rebranding that happened uh, last summer as well. We got a new cool logo, was made by a local studio here in Moscow. Recently got a huge uh, design award. It's called IF Design Award. Uh, so there was some recognition. But in regards to delivering the content, I would say that we're not there yet. As I know, uh, the new deal is going to be signed uh, until the beginning of the next uh, season. So we're going to be presented at some of the biggest platforms in the world. At the moment, we're just building the ground for them. Because, yes, we're not uh, making the product for export yet, but we understand that there is a huge opportunity associated to that and really want to be there. Because if you look at the UEFA championship rankings, we're number six. And that like means something. And yet it is easier to follow the Dutch league, which is below us. And that's, that's, that's a nonsense. But at the same time, there is a huge opportunity. So we as a club understand that, as far as I know, the league understands that. And it's just a matter of work. There is a lot of work that has to be done. And I'm sure that it's going to be done in the next year or two. And the situation is going to be different. Because now if you look at the picture itself of the match, well, of course, we're not La Liga. And I really appreciate what Javier Tebas does because uh, he literally lives with that. And I, I've been to his uh, public talks a few times and I understand that when a president of the league really understands the production, like camera angles and so on and so forth, and they keep experimenting, that's going to bring you to success no matter what. With us, we're just at the beginning of this way. But now I would say that if you look at the match of the Russian league, it is not easy to understand that this is the Russian league like it was like five or six years or even 15 years ago. I'm not talking about that ago. Just because the new stadiums, they really changed the scene great players, local talents. So the show is already there. And now the question is just how to deliver it to the right audience and keep doing that for many years. The World Cup, as you say, would have changed the stadium and it's created an opportunity. Has it given Russian football more confidence in itself? Well, <laughs> that's, that's a tough question. I mean, you know that Russians are maybe the most confident nation in the world. <laughs> just because that we believe that we got our own way and you know everything best and right is here, not somewhere else. Uh, yes, I think that when we have experienced this attention, this level of attention that the World Cup brings to Russia, it gave us an understanding that, you know, there is some potential again and we can be successful as well because uh, over the last, I mean, since, since the beginning of 19th, we were living uh, with this idea that... Uh, we're just building something and obviously what they got like in England or in Italy or in France to some extent, this is the real football. And we got something Russian that is only for the local consumption and, you know, where, where we are and where they are is just incomparable. Now it is a little bit different and uh, if we talk about sports results, it also proves it to some extent because you're right, quarterfinal of the Champions League. It is possible. And we have CSK Moscow that managed to beat Real Madrid this season twice on the Champions League group stage. And that means something. And, you know, the guys who scored goals there, they were Russians, young talents. Now we got some players in Europe. Well, we had our Shavin at Arsenal. Like, I, I'm sure you worked with him and you know the guy. He is an extreme talent. Now we got Galavin in Monaco. More Russian players, like young Russian players, they understand that they have to go to Europe. They have to try themselves there. 
Same way it works with the league and with the clubs. It's not just about players. It's about all our football as an industry because we have to be presented everywhere and we understand that there is not a need, but there is something that we can tell because Russia is unique and our football is unique at the same time, the same way the country is. Yeah, <laughs> Russia is unique. I'm smiling because you mentioned us having... I love us having when he was at Arsenal. He's like, would be stony faced, do an interview, not showing any emotion, perfectly nice, but stony faced. And then suddenly he would laugh for almost no reason and laugh his backside off. And it's, it's just a strange guy, but I loved him to be. Anyway, moving on, just about the specialness of Russia. Also, with social media, you've got VK, Telegram. Now, these are platforms that, that don't really export. I think I'm right in saying VK is seen as a Russian social media and, and that's it. So tell me about them, what they are, how you use them, because I have to say I don't have too much experience in either, either of them. Uh, I would say that VK is for the local consumption. You're right. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that it's only Russia. It's all former USSR states. Rather than Telegram is actually quite popular abroad, uh, not to mention again Iran, where it's a messenger number one but some other countries uh, as well. It was built here by a guy from St. Petersburg. Uh, I believe that he is our fan, even though he never mentioned that. But, uh, you know, <laughs> we really want him to be our fan. Telegram is tricky. Uh, it's uh, For me, it's the best messenger that you can find online, just because the amount of uh, different tools it got. You don't need to use anything else. And they keep saying that it is the most private messenger. I believe that this can be the truth as well so i just recommend everyone to try it on and you know make your own decision with vk it is a little bit trickier because vk was built in 2006 in the opposition to facebook which was not the facebook that we all know now Uh, so they essentially copied all the patterns and everything uh, but then they have really invested into their it background i would say that now vk is way better as a technology, as a tool than Facebook itself, just because it is lighter, it works faster. That's just from my personal experience. With the content strategy, we see that the audience that we got on VKA and we got over 1 million followers on our official uh, page in there, it is way more active. So the biggest numbers for us, they come from VKA. And we understand that, yes, there are almost no foreigners in there, so we can only perform our local like Russian strategy in there. But uh, at the same time, it's a great combination of uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook because not only you can post some like uh, formal things in there, you can react to things like you do on Twitter, but at the same time, it is not necessary to post a huge text in there, like a huge caption to that. Sometimes picture is enough like on Instagram, and there's going to be some reaction to that. The issue with VK may be uh, piracy because you can easily find all the highlights you want in there. And sometimes we suffer from that but we understand that it's not to that scale where we really have to worry uh actually the same happens with uh, telegram because uh it's a great source of uh, illegal links to almost every game you want to follow including all the european championships and so on and so forth because when i lived in the states and i showed to my classmates uh the way it works they were really surprised because to find a tool of that easy access to all the highlights, all the all the matches and broadcasts and everything somewhere online. We're not using Tor and dark internet. It's it's quite complicated. Rather than here, it's just a matter of two three clicks and you're there. You know, I'm not a big fan of that, and I, I prefer like traditional business models and everything. But that exists. Our idea is to be presented on all platforms where there can be some demand for our content. So that's that's what we do. In uh, on Telegram, they got the thing called channels. It's like a channel. It's uh, like an IRC or Fido in the good old internet. You can join it. You cannot post it, uh, anything in there. You can open like a special section for chatting. Uh, but uh, you immediately see uh, the number of views in there. And you see how many people have su- subscribed to this channel. And you can see a list of those people. So it is a combination, again, of Twitter, Instagram, and everything. Because that's the easiest way to deliver content to your fans immediately. Because when you talk about messengers it's more about like a less formal approach because this message from the club comes to you on the same platform and it looks exactly the same as a message from the member of your family so it gives you uh, more of a personal touch we don't use telegram 
that much, but we're trying to go there just because for now, sports itself is not well presented in there. It's more about politics. It's more about business, economy and stuff like that. But sport is growing as Telegram itself does. I also saw you listed Foursquare, which is not prominent in the US or, or Europe, or certainly not Europe so, so much, and has gone down a little bit over the years. OK and Yandex. Uh, just tell me about those. I don't don't really I haven't really heard of the other two. I've got to say. So with Foursquare or Swarm, as Swarm, we all know sorry. it now, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, uh, some somehow in turn uh, quite popular here in Russia like five, six years ago. So it's essentially a service where you can find the specific places and build up a list of those places. And we just, you know, we have some physical spaces like our stadium, like our stores and everything. And it is a good way to track uh, feedback from the audience because here in Russia, people still post some comments on there, like if their experience of visiting the store or the stadium was good enough or not. Same way it works with Yandex because Yandex is like a Russian Google. It's not a company of a single service. It's a company that now has their own like taxis, their own food delivery, everything. It's a mix of Amazon and Google to some extent. So we are presented at some platforms in their like we have a specific uh, spot for Yandex Taxi at our stadium, like you know Uber does at some of the venues abroad. We're presented as well at their uh, newsfeed service. Uh, same with their uh, geographical uh, geo services, because uh, the most popular navigating tool and the most popular online maps uh, in Russia are Yandex Maps, not Google. So we have to be presented there, and we have to provide content to our fans there. And uh, okay. It's to some extent similar to VK. Uh, it's just about audience because VK is popular all over the country rather than OK. is not used that much in Moscow, in St. Petersburg, but it is used a lot in the what we call like province states, like in Siberia or in, uh, in the northern areas or in the southern areas. So there is a specific geographical aspect added to that. And we understand that there are some fans that really want to follow us on OK. So we're there. With OK, it's actually quite interesting because they uh, have a huge like sports group and when they started to become like a platform for sports broadcasts. So this was the platform where uh, La Liga El Clasico was broadcasted, surprisingly, and they got amazing numbers in there. They keep broadcasting some uh, matches of the international leagues there as well because they got a partner who uh, has local rights to these championships, to, do, to these tournaments. So OK is one of the platforms where they do that. So they, I mean, the goal for them was obviously to attract a younger audience because we, we have a say that OK is for those who is above like 40, 50 years old uh, rather than VK is for uh, teenagers or for Gen Z, Gen Y, whatever you call it. There is, there is some truth behind that. But they, they wanted to attract younger audience, so they decided to go with the sports. And we, you know, we, we, we've been their partners for many years and I cannot say that the numbers were really high but there is some feedback and we really appreciate what they do for us and we try to invest our resources into that as well. And about your tone of voice, do you talk to fans, retweeting, replying, how much do you do it? Um, and I gather, talking to clubs, you had a little bit of a to-do with Chelsea, is that right? <laughs> yes, that's the most recent example. But, you know, the joke is not complete anymore just because Chelsea has deleted their original post that we, has, we have reacted to. Because they posted something about their uh, transfer plans for the summer, I believe. And uh, considering the band that they got, we just reacted to that. And uh, there was a funny joke that was made by our English uh, website editor. Because sometimes, and uh, for him, as he, he is from England, for him, like England is number one priority. And he <laughs> understands this sense of humor. So he understands what's going on around. And sometimes when he calls me and says, like, I, I have an idea, I want to post that. Sometimes I don't understand where the joke is, <laughs> but, but then he just convinces me that it's going to work fine. It's going to work well. I'm like, okay, go for it. And then it turns up into, you know, thousands of likes and retweets and everything. So talking about tone of voice, that's actually my favorite question. I really like this and I, I even have my own presentation on that, that I sometimes uh, show at some like specific sports conferences here in Russia, because I truly believe that. Uh, we as Russians in general are either too shy or too serious. Rather than when you work online, you literally have to be the opposite. So we decided, we managed to convince 
our leaders that it is the only approach that has to be used online and you have to talk uh, with a real man's voice. It does not have to be too official. Like, look at Real Madrid. That's the most official club online you can think of. Like, when you have a, an announcement of, uh, you know, Gareth Bale or Zinedine Zidane coming back to the office, the most, I, I don't want to call it, like, stupid, but, you know, that, 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 that's just not the way it has to be done. Because it's all about entertainment. And uh, my personal belief is that if you want to produce content, there are two ways to go. Either you want to produce uh, and you want to make something like a state of art thing, like uh, something that is close to uh, to art itself. And it has to be really cool. It has to be performed in the best way possible. But then it's, you know, it, it, it costs some money. Or you can be funny. Because, you know, if you're funny, it immediately brings some attraction to that. It's, it's, you know, it's about many things. Like, you, you, you need to understand that sometimes it is okay to laugh at yourself. Sometimes it is okay to interact with your fans. I'm pleased that there is a huge group, group of clubs uh, online, especially on Twitter, but Facebook as well, like AS Roma. I'm a huge fan of, the, of what those guys do. Uh, like FC Bayern, uh, their US office that I was a part of. So I understand their approach, like, from inside perspective. Uh, like uh, some other German clubs like Schalke, like uh, FC Bayer. They really try to talk uh, like real persons. And it's it's a really cool angle because before fans were thinking of the clubs like, you know, club is an institution, it is the office, it has tons of different corporate restrictions and so on and so forth. Not anymore. Same way we do here in Russia. And I really appreciate that uh, after three years when we started to do that, or four years, it's been... Other clubs started to react to that, and now we have a phenomenon of uh, a small club called Yenisei. They're now uh, in the Premier League, but they're on the 16th position, so chances are they're going to be relegated to the lower division again. But what they do online, on Twitter, their approach with a lot of jokes, with a lot of reactions and everything, it really made them successful. And in the sports industry here in Russia, this club is more... Uh, famous with what they do online rather than what with what they show on the field so that's that's a great example and we're trying to go there we're not trying to be afraid of anything we have a lot of discussions like internal discussions should we post that or should we not post that because internet you know something happens almost every minute and you just have to think of how your club your brand what you do what you represent your colors your values can be associated with those trending things it doesn't mean that you have to react to everything. It does not mean that you have to react to, let's say, politics or some crises or something. But you just have to become a part of the conversation. And that applies to your international strategies because you do understand that you know what's important for a person in London is not that important for a person in St. Pete and uh, vice versa. So we're trying to do that. And I would say that we've been quite successful. We're not afraid to make a banter of Chelsea or someone else just because if we see that there is some potential of doing something chances are we're going to do that we're not going to stop I understand that it is it may be risky there may be some problems uh, with that but at the same time you know we I think we have convinced our bosses that it is something worth trying and now it just became a part of our language about a, a part of our tone of voice and it is associated with the club the same way our colors are associated with us. Because when you mention Zenit Twitter, everyone knows that, okay, it's something funny. It's important to show the full character of the club. You sh- you talked about displaying the values of the club. Now, rightly or wrongly, cer- certainly perceived over here, that there there is an issue with with racism on the terraces in Russian football. This is not exclusive to Russia at all it's in many places in Europe it's not eradicated in England and it's certainly not exclusive to uh, Zenit St Petersburg but how are you reflecting the need to to educate the fans and maybe change their their perception on on certain matters uh, such as racism through your social media so it's this question obviously is not limited to the social media itself it's a broader question and uh, I know that there is some association uh, of this kind uh, that was built up by some international media recently, and there were some uh, cases. I cannot say that we deal with that on a daily basis or not. I personally have never seen any aspects of that or any issues with that. And I know our fans, I know our team, so I know 
all the sites this thing and f- for me personally it's it's not a question that it's not like a, a thing that, that 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 i have experienced to somehow and uh you know but there was when when this first uh, case happened i think 10 years ago or something there was a pr program that was run uh by a club zenit against racism so there were some actions and obviously they had some representation on the social media as well uh, from our side, when we rarely notice that there is a person, let's say, commenting something on our social platforms, the, these person's comments, they may be treated as potentially racist or something. We just ban this person immediately and forget about this person forever. So that's what we can do. And obviously, we stand for equal values and uh, so on and so forth. Of course, the way I think uh, when we're talking about the tone of voice, this also includes the values of tolerance of like equal rights of everything because you know we're not looking at the things with some restrictions or something we're the same people and i lived in the states so i know the values of this country i lived in europe as well i understand what uh, people like in austria or in new york what they think about what their values are everyone who is here at the office and most of our fans i truly believe they're essentially the same people it is not the case for them there may be some media aspect to that but that's that's a question that has to be asked those media not 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 us i that's that's what i can say about this matter where do you go for ideas new ideas it's not easy i keep thinking about new ideas almost 24 7 sometimes i even wake up in the night and put something on the notes on my iphone because i know that it's going to disappear by the morning it's just a way of living it's not about like okay from 5 p.m to 6 p.m today we're building new ideas you have to think of your work and you have to think of the brand that you represent. You have to think of the platforms almost, you know, even on vacations. I keep thinking about my work and I know that it's not good. The inspiration comes from different sources. First of all, we're happy to live in, in my personal belief in the best city in the world. You know, I, I, I highly recommend to everyone just to come to St. Pete. And my only recommendation would be not to come here in the winter because <laughs> we have a say that as good the summer is here, as bad the winter is. Now the situation started to change and the more inspiration is coming. You just look at the people and you see their values, you know, their culture. So this helps. When we're talking about online and specific examples, I have already mentioned FC Bayern, some other brands, like football-specific things. They're a huge inspiration to us because every time they do something, they literally push the limits. They perform some ideas that would never come to let's say my head and i'm like well okay if that's affordable and that's you know something that people react to why don't we try to think in the same direction it's also about arts because i'm a huge fan of arts and music and everything and i believe that all the great ideas they have already been discovered so it's just about you know digging into the space of ideas that are hidden somewhere again in the arts or in the literature and just recreating them, rethinking them, and then showing up to the audience. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it works well, and we have a great group here of the educated guys, and that's a constant process for us, finding new ideas. It's, it's never easy, but, you know, we've been quite successful. I cannot say that 100% successful because we never think of our job as, like, a perfect done or something. There is always a room for growth. Uh, but at the same time, some things, they they work quite well. Who does it best in in the Russian league apart from you? Hmm. It's hard to say. <laughs> uh, I would say Lokomotiv Moscow, uh, CSK Moscow are two clubs to follow. Yenisei that I mentioned, their social media, they're really good. And that's a great combination. You know that when you come to a small club, and I'm pretty sure that you have been through that many times. They keep saying, like, we don't have resources, we don't have a story, we don't win anything. No, it's not like that at all. That's a great example of how can, how the story can be built up literally out of nothing. Uh, these guys, Yeni say, they, they really know how to do that. Apart from that, some clubs from the Continental Hockey League, uh, one is called Avangard Omsk. You could notice that when Jose Mourinho came to Russia like a month ago and he fell down on the ice. So that, that was an invitation came from that club. So that was their match, some other things. But I would say that overall, the industry here, it's still, it's growing. 
and we're just in the very beginning of that because uh, online industry itself uh, it's just not that quick the the biggest difference i noticed when living in the states with russian is that our internet is way slower uh, because there there is a competition when something happens reactions started to come like immediately and there are dozens and thousands of them rather than here you have to post something and then sit and wait for some time you know go get a cup of tea and then something is going to happen so we're going there and uh I'd say that there is a huge difference with what we got now and what was here like five years ago, but it's still not there yet. When you talk about the speed of the internet, do you mean the actual speed of the connection or the speed no, no. of the reaction from the fans? No, no, no. When we're talking about speed of the connection, we're good. Yeah. Uh, reaction, reaction coming from the fans. Depending on the markets, and it's different. Like uh, Again, I, I'm going to mention Iran again, just because I, I've been with that market for the last three weeks, so uh, it's just in my head. Uh, there because of the nature of Telegram itself as an instant messenger when something happens reaction comes immediately like you post something and you see thousands of views of your posts and comments and everything coming within the next 10 minutes rather than here it, it is just slower by nature because I don't know whether people want to sit and think longer or if they I, I don't know how it works but it's just slower and let's take it as a fact but it became faster over the last three, four years. <laughs> so we're getting I, there. I saw that great bit of content. I'm not sure if it was actually created by the team or it was organic or not. But the but when Fenerbahce came to town, the yeah. uh, flares alongside, was it the Zenit bus or the Fenerbahce bus? But no, anyway, no, that was, yeah, that was Zenit bus, of course. It, it was a Zenit bus and literally the fans alongside the route with flares. So it was kind of the bus going through this tunnel of fire and you filmed a lot of it you filmed yeah well you filmed yes it all. so Pro just production tell us, just so just tell us that story how it evolved what happened yeah so uh, there was a match uh europa league uh we played against fenerbahce and our fans they really wanted to support the team in a special way i mean they obviously do that at all the matches no matter where they played home or away but here they were looking for something special and they came up with an idea of uh, greeting the team with those fires on the final uh, kilometer before entering the stadium. So they uh, called for volunteers, and uh, on the night of the game, over, I believe, 1,300 people came in. So they just uh, stood along the way, and we knew that this is going to happen uh, because they told us, like, we need to film that. And we were aware that something like that, uh, the same greetings with fires, they happened before many times. So for us, the challenge was to film it in the best way possible. And we decided that the best way to film this is to use a drone. So we found a guy who knows how to you know, fly those drones. It was bloody cold. It was like minus 15 or something. And thankfully, we have a roof at our stadium. So we freeze to death there. Uh, but we came to the spot before. And we, we just, you know, we, we built a route for this drone to, to shoot it in the best manner possible. Yet, we did not expect that it's going to be that successful because I decided to, by, by the end of the second day after the match when we posted that, and we posted that quite uh, quickly, and uh, that happened like one hour and a half prior to kickoff, and we posted that before the kickoff. So the production was almost instant. The total amount of views across all platforms uh, exceeded, I believe, 22 millions or something. So all the major media, like 4, 3, 3, or like, uh, I don't know, soccer.com, even FIFA website, they, they, they mentioned this story. And uh, the biggest and the funniest thing for me was when some other clubs, they started to replicate this in their, uh, in their way, because even Fenerbahce themselves, in two weeks after that, uh, their fans greeted the team in the same way. And we noticed that they were trying to shoot this, not with the same angles, but at least using the drone. And uh, they obviously were, you know, following a great example of ours. Uh, then a friend of mine from India, uh, it was like two days ago, shoot me a video when an Indian team came in uh, to the stadium. It was a cricket team, I believe. And they were with those uh, color smokes uh, standing in the stadium. But the funny thing was that it was a daylight. So it did not look that, you know, epic. Rather than with us, it was uh, already dark and uh, red fires and everything. So, you know, you could add uh, like a... Uh, an epic uh, soundtrack to that that we decided not to do and that would immediately turn into a movie 
so it was a great success. And uh, the good thing is that we did not spend anything on that or something. It was just a matter of inviting this uh, guy with a drone and uh, this instant production because good content should be catered on a specific time because we understood that if we're going to lose this match, it's not going to be that, uh, you know, that successful and that important for everyone. So that was just a content uh, catered on the right time and the right manner. And that was a huge success. Yet you cannot plan these things. And it was a lot of different circumstances. Is there anything else that's been particularly successful that you've, that you've tried a piece of content that's really come off? Uh, I would mention uh, our recent Zenny TV project. It is called the uh, G Drive Show. I don't know if you saw that or not. So we decided to make essentially a show, and we took an idea of football challenges, but we just extended it to the new level. So we used our uh, stadium, Gazprom Arena, as a place. Uh, we invited two players from our first team in the first episode, and then we invited Andrei Arshavin and uh, Anatoly Timoshuk, a well-known uh, former player who is now a coach of Zenit. Uh, we also invited a very famous uh, FIFA vlogger, you call it, the guy who basically plays FIFA games uh, and streams it online, and he has over, I believe, one million followers on YouTube. And we also brought our uh, talent from Zenit TV, so four of them, two against two, Three different challenges at the stadium. Uh, the first episode on YouTube uh, gathered over, I believe, 1,700,000 views uh, just on the YouTube, which uh, with our numbers, it is like a great success. The second episode is now a little bit below million, but still it is like a massive thing. And uh, we decided to make it uh, the most cost effective. So we did not spend a lot of that at all. And at the same time, uh, G-Drive, uh, in the name of the show, stands for one of our partners. So we did not spend uh, any of our resources. It was a partner who paid for that. And that, that was a great ROI for them, uh, for their brand. And for us, it was just a great experience. And uh, the best thing for me is that the players, they, they, they personally really enjoyed that. Because uh, for us, it's also uh, always a big challenge. Players are not happy with whatever we do. And for them... Sometimes it's more like, okay, you told that I have to do that, I'm going to do that, but I'm not going to, you know, stand and smile. Uh, with this thing, they after we aired the second episode, they started to come to us and ask, like, can I be the next one in this uh, G-Drive show? So that was a great success. But this is like a huge uh, thing for us to, to, to make with a small, like, snackbite contents. I don't know, those uh, reply to Chelsea on Twitter, that, that was a funny thing to do. And some other things, uh, it's just hard to pick one because we keep doing them quite often, those who turn into a successful post or something like that. Hard to say. The, I, I, I more remember things that happened some times ago, like uh, a famous banter with the uh, Daily Mail. I don't know if you remember that or not. Uh, it was in 2014, I believe. Uh, and it's only been like a year after we changed our page, our logo. And uh, Daily Mail has decided to make a story like top uh, 10 worst uh, logos of the football clubs around the world. And we were on the list. So they put this on Twitter and we reacted making our own version of top 10 worst newspapers logos in the world. Uh, uh, and th those were 10 logos of Daily Mail. So it really worked out well. We got over, I believe, 20,000 retweets and likes and everything, which back in the days was... Uh, you know, a huge success for us. We got some media coverage in England because we got to know that uh, some people in England are not the biggest fans of Daily Mail as well. So maybe this worked out and helped. So some some successes, they, they were there and we're trying to go with this direction and, you know, we're just trying to be fun and uh, entertaining. Just a final couple. You mentioned branded content. Yes. How much of that is coming into your world now. How much time are you spending on specifically branded ideas and your commercial team talking to you about expanding that area? It grows. The good thing is that we still have a right to offer. So it doesn't work in a way that they come to us and tell us what we have to do. Rather than we have a specific set of stories, specific lines, uh, specific scripts, and we come to them and tell like, okay, if there is a sponsor... Uh, that may be potentially interested in that, let's just add a sponsor to that. So that, that works quite well because uh, an example to mention is uh, 
a set of video stories that we made with our airline partner. Uh, it's called Russia Airlines, uh, part of Aeroflot. Uh, so we decided to make like a travel video about the destinations of where we play our away matches. So we sent out a crew three, four days before the match to this specific uh, city and make uh, like a funny, entertaining story about this particular city, what the local football looks like. And uh, then the second part of the show is our uh, Zenit TV talent who just runs across the stadium with his GoPro, just showing what happens around. And that was, that was quite successful. We also got some stories attached to some other uh, partners and we actually never have any, had any issues with them because whenever they come to us or we come to them, it always works out because they know that Zenit TV, especially on YouTube, is big enough to cater their needs. And we know that we have the freedom of expression and creativity that we need from our end. So last one, where do you see yourself five years time, 10 years time with this? What's the, what's the roadmap? So it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I personally believe that there is a huge potential within the Russian soccer. And uh, Russia is just, you know, too big to miss. But there is no uh, specific football club that would be directly associated with Russia. Uh, and we just have to become one. So I truly believe that we're going to go more global and we're going to be uh, better represented internationally. And not only with those fan blogs that we were talking about before, with many different tools and platforms that we can use. We have to be presented there and we have to deliver our content. We have to explain what Russia is, what Zenit is. I'm, I'm confident that it's going to be a successful uh, journey just because I, I do know that people have this interest in Russia. And we just have to, you know, position ourselves there because I know that some people think that Russia is something, you know, dark or whatever, whatever words you can use to describe it. It's not like it at all. And we have the best city in the country. It is really a nice destination. Uh, we have the best club in the country. We've got a lot of stories to tell. So it just has to be catered and delivered. And if the sports result is going to be there, it's going to happen faster, but it's going to happen anyway, no matter what. So that's that's going to be my answer. I know that we're not going to become another Manchester City or Barcelona or someone else, but I believe that we have our own path that is going to be quite specific and yet successful. Igor Kretsan, thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Richard Clark. Please follow at Sport Content Strategy on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, it's Sports Content SP. Richard is at Mr. Richard Clark on all social media. Read his blog and sign up for his newsletter at MrRichardClark.com. 